Welcome to Weaver's Beyond the Numbers Real Estate Podcast. I'm Rob Nowak, real estate industry tax partner with Weaver. And I'm joined as always by my partner and collaborator, Howard Altshuler, Weaver's partner in charge for real estate services. How are we doing today, Howard? Doing great for Monday, Rob. Yeah, well, uh, the, this podcast is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Nothing said here constitutes professional advice. If you have a question, call Weaver for more help. You can go to weaver.com to find all of our content, white papers, live casts, and more. That's weaver.com. Howard, I'm happy to announce that today our guest is no guest, just the love of real estate that, as always, binds us together. Exactly. It's mid-year plus 2021, mm-hmm. and we've been spending a lot of time offline talking about our predictions for industry trends for the rest of 2021 and into 2022. So what do you have to share off the top of your head? Well, I would say if I um, had my sunglasses with me, I would be putting them on because I think the future is bright to you know, use one of our, our songs from the 80s. Oh, that was um, bad. That was bad. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it's looking good. Um, you know, right now, obviously, we're still dealing with um, the Delta wave, which we will stop talking about that now. Um, but overall, <laughs> overall, the market's looking really well. Um, you know, we're seeing that retail is recovering yeah. to a great extent. People are getting out and about. Um, we're seeing hospitality is doing well, especially with respect to, um, you know, the non-business travel. People are, again, getting out and mm-hmm. about. Um, industrial, um, multifamily single family rental, self-storage, that stuff never slowed down. Um, And office is also doing good too. So it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, the next wave. Um, The industry had figured out in many ways how to adapt to the pandemic, which is what saw uh, real estate sort of lead the way, I think, in terms of economic recovery and comeback. And, you know, those lessons certainly weren't lost or put on the shelf those same lessons have just come back to bear through this wave and will probably continue if, you know, different variants start to rear their heads specifically as, as I think about retail, right. And restaurants and how, you know, different businesses have undertaken steps to, you know, keep their employees and keep the patrons safe. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's talk about, you know, something that we haven't spent a lot of time on um, single family rental, Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what we think some of the prediction around that is. And, and, you know, we've talked about how single family rental communities can sort of bridge a gap of affordability between dense multifamily. So in other words, you know, uh, apartment buildings mm-hmm. or folks who might not be able to afford a traditional single family home ownership. What are you hearing and what are you seeing as far as how single family rental communities will continue to impact the market? I mean, I'm definitely seeing or hearing what what you're saying there. There are so many people out there who probably want to live in a detached building, um, Mm -hmm. i.e. a house. Um, But there's still a lot of people that either don't want to deal with homeownership or maybe just can't deal with homeownership from a financial standpoint um, because of past problems, maybe too much student loans, um, maybe the pricing is getting a little um, much for 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 people, and so you're right. It does bridge a really good a good gap there. I think what may even be helpful, um, or maybe something that's going to be going towards the future, is kind of a rent to own type thing. So you know, right now you you know you rent an apartment and you spend a thousand dollars a month on rent, and when it's all said and done, you've got nothing. Um, whereas the single family, it may evolve to a case where basically, yeah, you pay $1,500 a month for rent and I don't know, $250, $300 of that, let's just say goes towards um, actually buying the house. 
Um, and so in essence, you're, you know, like I said before in a previous podcast, are you buying it from your bank? Or are you buying it from, you know, so or <laughs> yeah. renting it from the renting, bank or renting yeah. it from yeah. someone else? Yeah. And so that may provide a path to home ownership. I know there's right. some companies and there's a lot of individuals who do that, um, but that could be a trend to, um, yeah. to help with that. Um, transition office space. Mm-hmm. What are just snap judgment? Um, is office dead? office coming back. I mean, I know we're back in the office and I hear anecdotally, a lot of folks are coming back into the office, appropriately distanced, sometimes masked. What's your impression on how office space unfolds, say, you know, balance of 21 and certainly into 22 and even beyond? Well, ever since March of 20, I've always been a proponent that office wasn't dead. Um, You know, I've always felt like Medium term office is probably going to be, you know, about equal Um, Mm -hmm. long term office is still going to be good. And I have no reason to to change that. Um, I do think in, you know, as we continue on, it's you're probably going to see, again, somewhat of a equal level. I think Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of people who are trying to get out. Hence, a lot of subleases out there. Mm -hmm. Um, There's Mm -hmm. a lot of you hear a lot of news about a lot of big companies that are saying, okay, we're going to have our folks work at home Mm -hmm. um, permanently or even more so than they have in the past. But you know, the big companies don't make up the majority of the office users. What you're not hearing is the little companies that are signing leases, that are moving to newer spaces, that are going, okay, the market might be down a little bit. This is a good time to expand or to upgrade and take advantage of some rates. I mean, so personally, I feel like, you know, whenever I read office is dead, I just take that with a major grain of salt. Um, I think it's going to be just fine. Obviously, it's not going to, you know, blowing and going and double digit returns or anything like that. But I think if you make an office investment, you should end up okay. Well, I'll tell you in our market in DFW, um, my barometer on how many folks are coming back to the office is my commute. I can tell you easily leaving at the same time, pre-COVID, you know, post-COVID, middle of COVID, there's an, at least an additional 20, 25 minutes on either end of my commute now than, than there were six months ago. So I think well, folks are coming back into the office. Yeah. And if there is going to be a change, it might be, you know, I need more space to accommodate social distancing. I just can't have as many people packed into as closely of a space as possible. Right. And today was, well, today was the first day of school here in Dallas. So it was especially bad, but sure, sure. I will say, I saw a lot of cars going the same direction. I was not very many cars going, you know, dropping <laughs> off and going home. So. Right. So let's close out. Let's talk about industrial Um, And I'm going to talk forward and reverse logistics. We've spent some time on each on the podcast. Um, Are we at a point where logistics space has now met the demand? Do we see continued demand? What does 22 look like? Well, it depends how good you are at keeping the credit card from your family. Um, But generally speaking, well, if not, I think it's just going to continue on. Um, Maybe not quite at the same ramp up level that it was, you know, during the pandemic, but people are still in the mood to shop and shop online. Yeah. Um, it's just so easy. It's so convenient. And of course, like anything else, half the stuff you buy, um, you figure out a way to return it. And so the reverse logistics is going to continue to be more important. Um, and I think as more people you know, explore with buying online, as they buy a more larger variety of things, especially you know, non-perishables, um, there will be a need for things to get returned. And so I, th- I see reverse logistics as an area that not many people are really focusing on it, but could be a, um, a game changer going into, you know, into 22 and beyond. I was on a webcast, I think about two, three weeks ago, and my friend Josh Campbell, it was a, a co-panelist with me, he threw out a statistic that was interesting. He said, online purchases pre-pandemic to post-pandemic. 
of all purchases online accounted for 12% pre-pandemic and 28% of all purchases post-pandemic. And then I broke the news to the group. I expect that trend to drastically reverse itself because I've cut off my daughter from the credit card. I know you've cut your daughter off from the credit card. So we can expect, we can expect those to at least go down maybe by 10% just between our two families. (laughs) So that's our show for today. As always, you can go to weaver.com to download any episodes, additional thought leadership, white papers, and content. You can find this podcast on Spotify and iTunes. Thanks to everybody who's helped the show grow over the last year. Please continue to like and follow us on LinkedIn. If you have a suggestion for a topic you'd like us to cover, please drop us an email or a note on LinkedIn. We'd be happy to hear your thoughts and feedback. Again, for more thought leadership podcasts and livecasts, go to weaver.com. That's weaver.com. Thanks, everyone.